0: I've missed Higher Vision Church I think this is one of the longest periods of time I've been gone For those of you that uh, don't know me, my name is Jared Ming, I'm the lead pastor here Maybe you started coming three weeks ago And you're like, who are all these people and what's going on? And and uh, had a wonderful time, I had a chance to speak on two different continents In three different churches, 14 times uh, But yet at the same time, got a chance to uh, have a little bit of a break I mean, no, we all need a little vacation so we had a little chance to um, go by the beach and have some fun, but as well do some great ministry, but it is good to be home. And I'm excited as we start this new series today, I want to um, dive into the, the new theme that we're going we're gonna to focus on for the next several weeks, but I want to begin by saying thank you to all the team, all of our pastors, all of our guest speakers, um, just what an incredible incredible group of people we have that serve here at Higher Vision. Man, I'm excited to be back, I'm fired up and ready to go. And excited to see what God is going to do. I want to begin with this new series called Ruth. In the summer, typically we'll take a book of the Bible and we'll work through the book. It's kind of what we call text-to-topic approach. And then in the spring and the fall, we do more of what we call topic-to-text. But even when we do topic-to-text, often, most of the time, we'll take a portion of Scripture and we'll work through that on that topic. As I was looking at and feeling led to, to go through the book of Ruth, as I began to study it, I began to realize there's a theme in this book, and the theme is honor. We live in a culture today where we've kind of lost the heart and understanding of honor. All you have to do is look at our political system, all you have to do is just go on, online and look at people's posts on social media, and you'll realize that people don't really honor each other anymore. But I believe there's power in honor. Honor isn't just opening the door for someone. It's not just giving an elderly person your seat. There's a lot more to biblical honor. And so we're gonna take five weeks and we're gonna work through a chapter by chapter and we're gonna learn some powerful truths about honor. So what I wanna do is I wanna begin by giving you the cliff notes. You all awake this morning, say amen. Amen. All right, man, I love this place. I'm telling you, there. I've been in some incredible churches. I was in Australia in Melbourne, a church of ten to 12,000 people. It was amazing. But man, when I walked into this place and we began to worship, there is an incredible anointing here and we need to not take it for granted. Amen. Amen. Thank you. There are two of you that believe that. Amen. So let me give you the, the cliff notes. Basically, there's a woman by the name of Naomi. Her husband and two sons move to the land, out of Israel to the land of the Moabites. While they're there, her husband and two sons die. She's left destitute with two, basically two uh, daughter-in-laws. One of the daughter-in-laws, and and the daughter-in-laws are not obligated any longer. They could stay in the land of Moabites, but she hears that she needs to move home. She hears that there's food again in Israel and she's gonna go home. One of the daughters, Oprah, I mean Orpah, it's, it's a, Sorry, every time I hear Orpah, I want to say Oprah. Orpah, she goes back. But the other daughter-in-law, Naomi, I mean Ruth, she makes a pretty profound statement. And it, it really is the symbol of what honor is all about. I want you to stand. And as you stand, we do this today. We have our church family joining us in Visalia, Oregon, Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, Latvia, all over L.A. County. Will you put your hands together and welcome your church family? I want us to read this in Ruth. Ruth chapter 1 verse 16, we're going to read this every week for five weeks. Hopefully by the end of this series, you're going to have a verse of the Bible memorized as part of your heart. It's one of the reasons why I take a passage and use it as we go through a series, because it's a way for us to repeat it and get it in our heart. And I want this verse, hopefully, to be stained, marked in our lives. I wanted you to read it. These are the words of Ruth to her mother-in-law, Naomi. You ready? Let's read it together. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, man, I just, I feel that your presence is so strong in this place. We open our hearts to you right now. We ask you to speak to us. Make us people of honor. Can you just say this? Say, God, I want to be a person who walks in honor. In Jesus' name. If you mean that, shout amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Here's what's powerful about this statement that, that Ruth makes. Here's, because here's basically what she's saying. She's saying to her mom, mother-in-law, I'm going to be single the rest of my life. This is a young woman. Her husband died. I'm going to be single, most likely, for the rest of my life. I'm going to leave my family and my friends, and I'm going to be a caregiver forever. That's pretty big. She's saying, I'm going to honor you because that's what I feel like I'm supposed to do. So when we look at the book of Ruth, we really will see as we go through this, um, attributes of what honor is. What's interesting is we start the book, though, you're going to discover kind of what honor isn't, which helps us discover what honor is. And so I want to start in the beginning. I want to show you how the book begins. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Ruth, Ruth chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going We're going to camp here in chapter 1 for a little while, but especially this first part. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home. This is Naomi's husband. A man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab. Everybody say Moab. Moab. Taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. What's interesting is Ruth, is really a book of honor, but the story begins with dishonor. And we're going to learn a lesson about dishonor and what that means. It's interesting, you might say, well, why in the world, what does that have to do? Reading that, I don't see dishonor. What does it have to do with dishonor? Well, you have to understand the the times, you have to understand God's word, you have to understand the context. You see, that starts by saying that in the time of the judges. Let me just begin by saying what that basically means is it was a period of of history in Israel where Israel had no king um, and... They were led by different people. Like one of the judges was Samson. One of the judges was Deborah. And they were often, they were generals that would lead them into battle. But they, they were weak in spiritual leadership at the time. And so here's one of the descriptions of the times of the judges. Because there was no king, because there was really not a priest to lead the people, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So everybody just did what they thought was Right? Let's, just, let's name it the period of Hebrews gone wild. Because <laughs> they did what they wanted to do. Here's some descriptions. Kid di- kids didn't submit or honor their parents. There was no absolute truth. Does it sound like a time that, that we could understand or relate to? And so in this time, because people were running wild doing their own thing, the Bible says that God allowed maybe even created a famine. Let me just say, the Bible is clear. God would tell his people over and over again, if you'll honor me, if you'll follow my truths, if you'll, you'll not worship other gods, I will bless you. But when you begin to, to, to disobey me and, and you know, not walk in honor, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna shut up the heavens. God says this over and over again in the Old Testament. I'm gonna shut up the heavens and there'll be a famine on the land. And why does he do this? Not because he hates the people. He wants to just punish the people because he's this big God with a stick that's just waiting to hit us. No, he said, I'm hoping that when I shut up the heavens, that what will happen is when there's not a good economy or when things aren't going good or when there's no food, that you'll turn to me, that your desperation will cause you to say, I need you in my life. And so the Bible says that now what happens? A famine comes. So what is that? Let's relate it to our day. A great recession hits. And what happens? Here's the problem. Here's where the dishonor begins. Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons move to the land of Moab. They leave Bethlehem. Bethlehem, by the way, means house of bread, house of presence. And they move to the land of the Moabs, uh, Moabites. Um, which the Moabites, you understand the Moabites, right? They're the, related to the Ammonites and uh, really close to the mosquito bites. Sorry, I have to do that every time I say that. It, it just. So let's talk about the family. You have a man by the name of Elimelech. He has two sons, Malon and Killian. These are really good Klingon names. Come on, do we have any Trekkie fans? <laughs> Captain Killian. So you have this family, and what happens? Elimelech, here's the, since we're talking about names, Elimelech, his name means God is my king. The problem is is he doesn't live like it. Because what happens is as soon as things get a little tight, as soon as the recession comes, what does he do? He moves to the land of the Moabites. Now what's the big deal? Hey, well, he just moved somewhere. Why is that a big deal? Here's why? Because God had cursed the Moabites. And God was clear in the scriptures and he had taught his people, do not live with the Moabites, do not marry the Moabites. They're cursed of God. In fact, they worshiped, the Moabites worshiped a, a God called Chemosh, and they were known for sexual sin, and here's what they were really known for, sacrificing their children in worship to their God. Not only that, they, the whole tribe, the whole group of people, they came out of an incestuous relationship. Some of you remember Lot, the, the, the nephew of Abraham? And he ends up having sex with his daughter and there's a child and this is where the whole plan come from. And so God curses this people. In fact, you may remember them. The the Moabites were the people that when the Israelites were coming from the, uh, the land of Egypt towards the promised land and they have to go through the land of the Moabites because they don't want to go around and it takes forever. So as they're going through, the king of the Moabites, he asks for the local prophet Balaam to curse the people of Israel. And remember the story, Balaam, that he's on his way, and he's not supposed to, and the donkey speaks to him, and God tells him, no, you say what I say, and so he can't curse them, he has to bless them. Remember that story. This is the the Moabites. In fact, if you read, the Bible says that in the time of Judges, the Moabites were oppressing the Israelites, these were people that were, were pagans. They, they were, they, they, there was a lot of evil that was operating. In fact, God had not only cursed them, but here's what he said. He said, there are 10 generations. The curse will go so that 10 generations will not be allowed ever in my presence. There were foreigners at times that were allowed to worship the one true God, Jehovah. But the Moabites, because of their evil, God said for 10 generations, they'll never be allowed in my presence. You're not allowed to live there. You're not allowed to marry there. And what does this man do when he faces a little bit of a challenge? He leaves the house of God's presence to go live in the land of the Moabites. Elimelech disobeys. Can I give you the first thought about honor? Because we're going to learn a lot about honor and Ruth and all of that. But let's begin with the the, the starting point of the book. Because here's the first principle. If you want to honor, here's how you honor Honor with obedience. So Honor with obedience. The reverse is true. You dishonor when you disobey. But, but wait a minute, I love God. Oh, let's make it real. How, how many of you have kids? You remember those days when you, your, your kids were teenagers and you set a curfew? Anybody remember those days? And so you have the curfew. I'll never forget one of my girls. I can't remember which one of it was. And, you know, we'd just given them the liberty and they could go out. But you have to be home by a certain time. And, of course, what happens? The time comes. They're not there. And suddenly the frustrations begins to rise. You're trying, you know, to you're, So what do you do? You're waiting at the door. And they think they're all sneaky coming in. Like they're gonna sneak in and you're not gonna know. And how many know when you're a kid and you're trying to sneak in after a curfew, God is against you? <laughs> you're trying to sneak in and everything makes noise. I mean, literally, this reminds me of a Sinbad thing I saw one time. He's like, man, when I was trying to sneak in, God was against me. I'd be like walking on the cement and it'd be like eh, eh, eh. said, birds would be chirping, Sinbad! Sinbad! Like, God's against you when you're trying to sneak in, past curfew, and so what happens? They sneak in and then they're like, and you're, you know, it's all dark, so your eyes have adjusted to the light, and they open the door, and they're like, and they don't know that you're sitting on the couch. <laughs> so we're waiting, and she comes in, and I'm like, where have you been? You're past curfew, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm so sorry, and then what do they do? This is what they do, they're like, I love you, Dad. I love you so much, Dad. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? And, and But what, what's your response? You're like, well, if you loved me, I don't want to hear I love you. Because if you loved me and you honored me, you would obey me. And the reality is, is that kind of is the picture. Honor comes with obedience. God doesn't want to hear the, well, I love you, God. And the reality is what we do is we make excuses, because that's what kids do, right? Kids start making excuses. Why were you late? Well, you don't understand, Dad. Everybody was late. (laughs) Was it just me? Everybody was late. Everybody was late. Your friends were late. Yeah, my friends were late. I don't care about your friends. Your friends jump off a cliff? Are you going to jump? Come on. Come (laughs) on. Everybody say, yeah, there was not a clock. I was at the party, and at that house, they don't have clocks at that house. <laughs> there was not one There was not one clock in the whole house. Nobody had a watch. No, nobody had a watch. And, and he made excuse. He make, she made excuses. And you know what's funny is we justify and we do the same thing, right? We go, well, well God, everybody's doing it. Right. It's okay. I, I think here's kind of what... Elimelech did. He probably said this in his mind. Well, God, I know I'm not supposed to live with the Moabites. I know I'm not supposed to walk into disobedience. But, you know, right now, I need, I'm called to be the provider. God, you want me to provide. And God, I need to go where the money is. God, God, you'll understand. And what we end up doing is we do the same thing. The problem was is that all he thought about was providing financially not realizing that what's more important is that he's to provide spiritually. Because he was leaving the only place. He was leaving church. Israel was God's presence. If you went outside of Israel, there was no higher vision Moab. That was where you went to church. He was taking his family out of church for 10 years. Why? Because he justified his disobedience because money's what's important. I need to provide for my family. And you know the reality is we look at that and we're like, how could he do that? But we do the same thing, don't we? We make our excuses. We say, well, well, well I'm going to get real for a minute. Y'all, is that okay? Yeah. You got to be nice. I've been gone three weeks. You gotta... <laughs> so we do it. I, I, here's an example. Well, God, I know I'm supposed to give to you first with the tithe. But this, you know what, right now, guess what? Kids are going back to school. I got to buy backpacks. And uh, by the way, their new, their new soccer program is starting. You know how expensive soccer is, God? And, you know, everybody's doing it. I know there's lots of Christians that do it like I do. God, you'll understand. You know you know what? Um, I know I'm not supposed to gossip, God, but have you met them? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. This is the one time it's okay. They deserve it. God, you, you'll... Everybody does it. Haven't you seen Housewives of you know, Beverly Hills? Everybody. And there's a Christian on there. Right? No, I don't even know if there's a Christian on there. Everybody does it. God, you'll understand. And you know what's crazy? When you read the story, here's what's powerful. And we're having a little fun today, but, but let's get real for a minute. Watch this. They moved so that they wouldn't die. Because he, he, he had his excuse. Well, we're going to die here. And by the way in the house of bread we're going to die here if i don't chase the money and so they walked in disobedience and the very thing that they were running from was the very thing that ended up happening elimelech and his two sons died when they left so that they wouldn't why Because can i make just a, a, a i think it's a profound statement when you fail to honor God's word, you end up moving from underneath His covering, and now you face the reality of life without His grace.. Now, I don't know about you, I don't want to step out from under that covering. See, the reality is, is the question is, as Lord, is this your will? What does your word say? God, am I walking in obedience? There's a context here, and I'm going I'm to get real for for just a second. I'm going to hit something because this this chapter speaks to two groups of people. It speaks to parents, and it speaks to people who are not married, single people. I don't want to step out from under God's will. They died. Now don't don't. This will be clear. I'm not saying if you disobey God, you're going to die. Okay, don't leave and tweet that to somebody. All right, but. In the context, the question is: Is Lord, am I walking in obedience? Am I honoring you? Do I just say, well, "Well, I do whatever I want"? I love you, love you, Dad. The context here speaks to two people. The first is to parents. So I'm going to challenge parents for a minute. We got any parents in the house? Say Amen. amen. Here's the first challenge. Challenge is this: Maybe what this passage is teaching us is that we need to show our children that obeying God and following his will is more important than anything else. Just can I make a statement? If you don't want me to, I'm going to make it anyway. Um, I'd rather be in a famine with nothing than making a six-figure income out of God's will. The other thing that he tells parents is, is, is this passage is teaching about honor is not only do you need to show your kids that God's will and obedience is first, the second thing is you need to teach your kids about who they marry. The second thing is, and I'm going to speak to singles now for a minute. We got singles in the house? Say amen. Maybe you're in high school, maybe you're a young adult, maybe you, you're older, you, you're, you never got married, or maybe you're divorced. And I think there's a challenge to singles. And here, here's the challenge to singles. First of all, God said don't marry a Moabite. Don't marry, what us relate it to an unbeliever. Don't marry a non-Christian. In fact, you say, well, that's Old Testament, Pastor Jared. That's over 3,000 years ago. Let's get a little modern, current. Well, then read the New Testament, which says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And it's not because God is mean and he's just trying to be a killjoy. It's because he's trying to protect you from problems and challenges that you don't have to walk through. He's trying to position you to have a marriage that's unified, where that you love the Lord and you're seeking God and you're putting Him first. So, so I'm going to give you some uh, input because I think God's trying to say something. The thing is, I can hear you know um, the the sons of of Elimelech and Naomi justifying their reason. Right? They're like, I know we're not supposed to marry anybody here, but. Have you seen the Moabite women? Moabite women are hot. So is hell. Sorry, that was a little mean. It was a little mean. Just, sorry. I heard that joke. I had to tell it. I mean, it's kind of funny. You know what I'm praying that single people will commit to? They'll commit to this. I won't just marry the most attractive woman or man that's in front of me. In other words, they left the land of, the Moab, of, of Israel, God's people, and they went, th- it was only 30 miles away. And because of convenience, because of where they were, they married what was around them. They settled for what was around them. And I think there's a lot of singles that are missing out on things they settle when God has more for them. The question is, where are you looking for your spouse? Because if you're looking in clubs, or you're looking at parties, or maybe you're in the land of the Moabites. God said, marry a believer. Now, let me just say, if, you're, if you married someone who's not a believer, the Bible doesn't say to leave that person the Bible says to stay and to live. There's more responsibility. You've got to live like Christ to, to model Christianity so that in some way you can maybe reach them. And, and I've seen God cause people that aren't believers to accept Christ. But the point is, is that where are you looking? Are you living and looking in the land of Moab? Or are you in the, the land of Israel? Maybe you need to get on ChristianMingle.com. Or maybe you need to go to youth camp. It's a good place to find a, a spouse. Maybe you need to go to a Christian conference. In fact, I decided since we're talking about this, I want to help some singles. Are there any singles in the house? I'm going to give you a good Christian pickup line. Can, can, I, can I have my Bible? Let me give you a good Christian pickup line. Just, I'm just helping you if you're single. So if you're single and you go to that conference, we were at Hillsong conference and there was like twenty thousand people there and all these young adults. And so let me give you some advice. If you're first of all, if you're looking for someone, you want to find a Christian. Go to a good Christian concert. Or concert that's not a bad place either. Conference, and uh, and if you see that that special someone, maybe it's maybe it's a, I'm a guy, so maybe it's a lady. And you're like, man, she's cute. I, I could see maybe this is could be a God thing. It's an attraction here, so and you randomly find yourself sitting next to her at every session. What do you do? Some moment, not when this, not when this conference is over, about midway through, lean over, have your Bible in your hand, have it open. Lean over and look into her eyes and say, "Hey, she'd be like, "Hi, how are you?" And then say this. I was reading my Bible, but it's not complete because I was reading in the book of Numbers, and yours is not in there. Yeah. Could, that, that work? Could, could that could, could that work? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe maybe not. All right. maybe, maybe not. Maybe you find a different one. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Yes, you're Hey. Let me, just, let me just say this, and I'll move on. And, but I feel, I feel like this would be good advice. If you're single, um, one of the things I, sa- I tell single people is, you know what? Honestly, the best thing is to not go searching, but do like God did how it started in the beginning. He made, Ab- he made Adam. He put him somewhere in the garden. He gave him something to do. Be faithful with what I've given you. And the Bible says that when God saw that it was good, that he's not to be alone. One morning he woke up, and God had brought him what he needed. Of course, it did cost him a rib. But uh, but maybe rather than searching, if you'll just plant yourself in the garden where God has placed you and be faithful with what he's given you, God will bring you what you need when you need it. Come on, somebody say amen. Honor God with obedience. Y'all with me, say amen. I want to give you the last thought, and I need to move quickly. The last thought is this. Honor God through repentance. If you want to understand honor, honor is about obedience, and honor is about repentance. Because as we read the book, that's what I see happen next. I want to go to, to Ruth chapter 1, we're going to jump down. Now, what happens is, is her kids die, her husband dies, she's destitute, she has nothing, so she looks at her two daughters, and daughter-in-laws, and she says, listen, I can't pay for you, I can't help you, I can't support you, I can't even support myself, I have nothing, go back to your families, I, and the Bible says that she found out that there was food now, there were harvests and crops in Israel, so she's like, I'm going back, I'm returning back. Now watch what happens. Naomi heard in in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughter-in-laws got ready to leave to Moab to return. Everybody say to return. The Lord really zoned me in on that word when I was studying this. To return to her homeland. To return to her homeland. To go back to her homeland. Watch what it says. So... They end up going back. She, one of them, Orpah—I mean, Oprah—she uh, says you, she stays. But Naomi comes. Uh, Ruth comes with her. They go back and watch what happens. When they get back to, to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited for their arrival. Is this really Naomi? The woman asked. And what does she say? Don't don't call me Naomi. She responded. Instead, call me Mara, which, by the way, means bitter. For the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Can I just make an observation before we get into the whole repentance thing? It's interesting because Naomi does what so many people do. She blames God for the consequences of her disobedience. I'm telling you, God gets... Very little of the credit, but he gets a lot of the blame. And most of the time, the challenges that we're in is because we've walked out of God's covering in disobedience and we're paying the price for it from the consequences, but God's the one getting the blame. Y'all with me? Is that a good word? Come on, good preaching, Pastor Jared. All right. But here's what does happen here. I believe she begins this, she kind of comes to this moment like, you know, finally there comes to a point where the doctor has to call it time of death. She looks at her life and she's like, this isn't working. This doing it my way is not working. I'm calling it. I'm going back. And so the Bible says she returns. You know what's interesting about the word return? I did a little study. And the word return in the Hebrew there, it means this. It means to turn back. Which is the same idea or imagery for a New Testament word called repentance. When you repent from your sins and your disobedience, you turn around and you go back the other direction. And that's kind of what happens with Naomi. And here's the interesting thing. Here's what I love about it is She hasn't been healed completely yet. She's still got attitude. She comes back and she's all complaining. But here's the good news. She still starts heading in the right direction. In other words, I believe she started a process of repentance. The thing is, is that she didn't wait till everything was perfect. A lot of people, they don't repent because I want to make a statement. Sometimes you have to act your way into feeling. A lot of people, they want to feel their way into acting. When, when everything gets better, when everything works out, then I'll repent. When, when everything lines up the way it should be, then I'll make a change. No, even though she wasn't perfect, even though she still had attitude, something changed where it affected her decision-making, where she said, I'm going this way now. I was not disobedience, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line up and start obeying again. I'm going to go back to church, even though I don't feel like it right now. I'm going to start reading my Bible, even though I'm so mad at this situation, and I'm mad at God right now. I'm going to start doing the right thing. And I'm going to tell you, here's what's interesting. When you begin to repent and begin to honor and obey, things start to change. I want, you, I want you to watch what happens because she, she, she repents through her actions and begins to go back to God and watch what happens through her repentance. If you go to, to Ruth, we're going to go back to our theme verse and watch what happens. She repents through her actions. And what happens? Then Ruth says... Now, who is Ruth? She's a Moabite. She's not a believer. She worships a false god. Probably believes in sacrificing children. Sexual perversion. Cursed of God. But watch, because she repents, because Naomi repents, rather than walks in disobedience, watch what happens. Then Ruth says... Don't ask me to leave or turn back. Wherever you go, I'll go. If you're repenting, I'll repent. And wherever you live, I will live. And your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Do you realize that through her repentance, it created and started this chain reaction of God's supernatural divine favor and blessing where the covering came back over her? Because now watch. Naomi begins to repent. And what happens? Now because of her repentance, her family starts to repent. And now watch what happens. I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert. We're going to get into this later. But they go back to Bethlehem. Ruth, who... No one should have any interest in her, ends up marrying a man by the name of Boaz, a very wealthy guy. So God now ends up giving Naomi the money she needs to survive as a widow. Not only that, Ruth ends up getting pregnant, and when she has the child, she gives the child to Naomi to raise and take care of. So now the woman who was a widow and had no family, had no kids, now has a a child to raise. She's provided for. And by the way, oh, by the way, it's not just any child. It's the child, I think, by the name of Obed, who's the father of... David who becomes the king of the nation who by the way is the the lineage of not just the king of the nation but the king of all kings Jesus Christ the Messiah and when you read through the genealogy in the story of Ruth and Naomi guess whose name is listed in the the line and the succession of the Messiah of Jesus Christ it's Naomi and it's Ruth everything changes blessings come the next season the next level the greatest promise where is unto the covering of honor that's why the Bible says in 1st Samuel and I'll end with this the Lord declares far be it from me in other words hey this is this is the reality this is a truth you can count on me with this those who honor me will be honored And not just by man, but by God. And how many knows when God honors you? When God honors you, a destitute widow in the land of Moab can become the ancestor, the mother of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Maybe the blessing, maybe the breakthrough, maybe the next season is on the other side of us being willing to repent and say, I'm not going to walk in disobedience. I'm going to walk in honor. Can I make one last statement? For good to start, bad must end. So my question to you is this. What, What do you need to repent about? Is there an area of disobedience in your life that you've made some excuses about? I've got to provide for my family. Because our excuses really sound good to us, don't they? i got to tell you something. I'm a father. And I have one of my children that um, we wanted to bless this child with this massive party and thing and that we wanted to do. And, of course, what happens... They disobey a few weeks before it's all supposed to happen, and that's a big one. And guess what? They don't get the party. Because they have to learn from their mistakes so they didn't get the blessing that i would intended for them. I want to bless them. And I think that's such a beautiful picture. God wants to bless us. But too many times, because of our disobedience, we walk out from under His hand of grace and favor, because we don't understand honor.